This is Packer and Durham on ACCN and Sirius XM Channel 371. Yep, welcome in. Packer and Durham. You know the story, right? Mark is about a week into his Italian vacation. No telling the hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been spent. Andrea Adelson has been here the last two days, and we are grateful for her presence. Uh, Mark will also be on assignment next week. So we'll have a, uh, a carousel of people joining us on the program, Andrea. Uh, Drew Carter will be here on Monday and Tuesday. Unavailable to participate and be a part of the Packer and Durham uh, carousel is Roddy Jones, who ironically joins us this morning from Charlotte, where he too has been on assignment. Uh, at the ACC Baseball Championship. And I think, is it tomorrow you'll be uh, with Roy Philpott at the Big South Baseball Championship in High Point? Is that right, North Carolina? Yeah, t- tomorrow we head up to High Point for the Big South Championship game, uh, where hopefully, if you're an ACC fan, everything goes to plan and the Campbell Camels win it. Because that's one of those conferences where if someone other than Campbell wins it, Campbell's going to be in consideration for an at-large bid. So if you're an ACC fan, you're rooting for the Camels. There you go. Okay. Uh, very quickly, this is Roddy and Andrea's second time together on a media space this week. Oh, did I say space? Yes, because Monday they joined David Hale for a Twitter space on ACC quarterbacks. And, Roddy, why don't you just tell me how you thought it went? Because Andrea's already told us she thought that it, at one point a bomb got dropped and it exploded all over the oh. Internet. Let's let's just say speaking privileges were given um, and quickly taken away from from some some of the people who joined. We, we appreciate all the people who tuned in and listened. Uh, but somebody tried to come at the queen, and if you come at the queen, you got to come correct. And Andrea shut him down real quick. So uh, so yeah, it got kind of crazy there for a second. Andrea, well, look, if you're gonna put words in my mouth, so what happened was. I said that I wasn't sure about what was going to happen with a pit quarterback situation, and that was compounded by the loss of Jordan Addison. So Hale unmuted a pit fan who basically said I called the receiver group weak. Well, I never used that word. Mm -hmm. I said, well, if you're going to accuse me of something, make sure you got it right. I never said weak. I said there were questions. Anyway, it devolved from there, and then I felt really bad, and Hale was like, you took that way too seriously. Well, uh, it just, you know, I need some facts here. I need some facts if you're going to check me on it. But uh, the the main point of that Twitter space, beyond hearing from the, the Pitt fan, who hopefully has forgiven me uh, by now, was to rank our quarterbacks. <laughs> and the three of us had Tyler Van Dyke at number one, so there wasn't really a whole lot of discussion there. But the way we ranked two, three, and four was all completely different. And so I would love Roddy to tell us who he has in his top four, first of all, and then why he went with the person he has at number two. Yeah, so so we went, uh, so the top four was the same for all of us. It was Miami, it was Louisville, it was Wake Forest and NC State. And, and the, mm. the instructions here were kind of loose. We were instructed to obviously look at the starter, but to also consider the quarterback situation, which is part of the reason that all of us had Miami at number one. Jake Garcia is probably the best backup quarterback in the conference, especially when you look at talent. Mm-hmm. But I put Louisville number two in, in, in terms of my quarterback rooms for a couple of reasons. 
One, I thought, I mean, Malik Cunningham was obviously fantastic. And maybe I'm jaded by seeing him on Thursday night against Duke where he's still scoring and still running. But, but what he did last year in terms of running the football, the toughness that he showed down the stretch, and then his efficiency throwing the football through for a higher completion percentage on a higher yards per attempt than a Sam Hartman did. Uh, and he took care of the ball, mm-hmm. only six turnovers all year. So when, you, when I looked at that, and, and then the fact that they've got a backup that we've seen win a game, uh, I ranked Louisville number two. Now, if you just went you know, Malik Cunningham versus Sam Hartman or Devin Leary, that would have been a tougher discussion for me. But the backups really swung Louisville in, in that direction. And I think Malik Cunningham, you know, everybody kind of has their quarterback that, that they think is not getting enough publicity. Malik Cunningham's kind of getting lost in the Van Dyke, Leary, Hartman discussion. Uh, so I really want to shed some light on how good I thought he was last year. All right. I want to I back up into this conversation a little bit because I think you guys bring a level of this that not many are going to talk about between now and September. And like, Roddy, you just mentioned Evan Conley, who won at Wake Forest, by the way, a couple of years ago, right? Three years ago, I guess it was, in a backup role in a game that was more like arena football on grass at Truist than it was college football. Um, That all being said, there is value to the backup. You're right about Jake Garcia. You're right about Louisville's situation. Uh, we got to look during the Wake Spring game at some of their backups behind Sam Hartman. And I'm not going to say that that's lost. I think there's development going on there. But it does bring into mind the questions at a place like NC State, at a situation like uh, Virginia behind Brennan Armstrong, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I think if you just look at last year, I mean, Boston College on offense really kind of fell apart after Phil Dracovic got hurt. Dennis Grossell tried. We saw Emmett Moorhead uh, in there as well. And they just couldn't move the ball on offense. You could say something similar with Virginia. Obviously, it was a little bit different when Brennan Armstrong was out. They also played Notre Dame. So those two things both played into the fact that they didn't perform well with him out. But I think after Brennan Armstrong, when you look at the Virginia uh, quarterback situation, you're relying right now, it looks like, on a jet guy in Jay Wolfork who's throwing 95 miles an hour here in Charlotte and hasn't mm-hmm. spent any time with the Virginia football team. So so I think when you when you look at Florida State with Jordan Travis out and Mackenzie Milton in last year, you have to consider the backup situation some. Now, we can absolutely rank the quarterbacks individually, and, and I think that's a, that's a great discussion to have. But when you consider the quarterbacks, like you have to consider the position because we saw too many guys go down last year. Heck, Eric King went down and gave Tyler Van Dyke a shot. Jeff Sims missed time. Jordan Yates had to play a lot. Derek Schrader missed time last year. So, so you just go down and, and quarterbacks do get banged up. So I think you have to consider the full room. All right. The other, Let's, um, ch- the other challenging part of the – I just want to add one thing. The other challenging part of the exercise is there are a couple of schools that haven't made decisions yet on their quarterback situation. And so Mm. how do you sit here and try and rank them? And when you're looking at Pitt, North Carolina, Virginia Tech um, and Duke and Roddy was fairly high on North Carolina because of the talent that they have in that room. What gives you the confidence in your belief in in Drake May and Jacoby Criswell that one of those guys can take that job and run with it and have the type of success that we've been accustomed to at North Carolina? Yeah, this this was the fun part of the exercise because there's no strict instructions on things to consider and things not to consider. So do you consider the 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 uh, supporting cast around them? 
in this case, I considered Phil Longo and his track record. You look at his time at Sam Houston, you look at his time at Ole Miss, and early in his time at, uh, at UNC, he's always had good quarterback play. They've always been able to move the ball on offense. And so those guys with the talent that they have and the offensive coordinator that you've got as well. And then also I think there's a little bit of hunger amongst that North Carolina team. So I considered all of that when I boosted up North Carolina. But I also had Pitt just outside the top four. I think I had them at number five. And it's really because if Nick Patty is to beat out Keaton Slovis, what we saw from Nick Patty last year in, in limited time was encouraging. But then Keaton Slovis, this is a guy that was the freshman of the year in the Pac-12 in 2019. He was the first-team All-Pac-12 quarterback in 2020. Now, I know they played like three games, but still, he played at a high level during those that, that limited time. And then as things fell apart at USC around him, he didn't have the season that he wanted to last year. But let's not forget, he lost Drake May halfway through the year. And they were playing that year, a year after Amon Ross St. Brown went to the uh, went to the NFL as well. So so he had lost weapons around him. The coaching staff was a mess. So I give him a little bit of a pass. But I think whoever starts at Pitt, the quarterback, is going to be pretty good based on pedigree, performance. And then if Nick Patty beats him out, then that's, uh, that's, that's the competition. All right. I want to go back to this real quick. Uh, we all know Packers theory, right? Everybody, yes, we all know Packers says if you got a quarterback battle, you don't determine it until you run out on the field to snap it for the first time. Roddy, can Pitt, Virginia Tech, Carolina, I mean, Carolina's playing Florida A&M. I mean, can Carolina play both guys against Florida A&M and then say, okay, the real guy starts against Appalachian? I mean, how far can Mack Brown and Phil Longo take this? How long do they have to take it? I think you will see both play in, in the first week. For all the schools that, that have a game that, that you know they should win, a Florida A&M, a, another FCS school, I, I think you'll see both if, if you're in that situation because you want to give those guys first-team reps in meaningful time so you can start to evaluate just in case you feel like you may have made the wrong evaluation in camp. It's just another data point. But for everybody else, like Pitt, I think Pitt's going to name their starter you know, at least a week before the season, I would guess, because that guy needs to get all the reps leading into the game that they start off with West Virginia. So so I, I, I think it's different for every school. I think some of them you're going to see two quarterbacks play starting the year, and then others uh, will likely have a guy named pretty early on. All right. Uh, there was one school that really caused a lot of debate, and it wasn't really Clemson. It was Florida State. Because I had Florida State ranked higher than Roddy and David Hale, just based on the production that Jordan Travis brings to the table for the Seminoles. And I know there's questions about the backup and Tate Rodemaker. We really haven't seen a whole lot of consistency from him when he's gotten the opportunities. They've got a true freshman who's come in there and A.J. Duffy, but not really pushing. This is Jordan's team. And so for that reason... I put Florida State a little bit higher because of the belief that I have that Jordan's going to be able to get the job done. Roddy, in your view, in your estimation, what does Jordan Travis bring to the table and what do you think about the Florida State quarterback room? Yeah, this this was a great discussion because I, I wanted to make it clear and David kind of said the same thing. Florida State for me is was sort of the line of demarcation in our list. We're above Florida State. I felt good about everybody's quarterback room, and I feel good about Florida State's. Um, so uh, Jordan Travis this year is dealing with some things that he hasn't dealt with in the past in a positive way. Number one, it's his offense. We, this is the offseason. We are not trying to supplant Jordan, Jordan, uh, Jordan Travis 
as the quarterback at Florida State. It feels like every single year we've been looking for a reason to get somebody else into that spot. But this is Jordan Travis's team. He's got Mike Norvell's full confidence uh, is, is, is completely behind him. And I think from a receiver standpoint, they're going to upgrade the talent in that room. They brought in a ton of transfers, and maybe they're not all great, but some of them are going to be pretty good. Mixed with the talent that they had in a guy like Malik McLean, who didn't do a ton last year, but came in with a lot of hype and has a lot of talent as well. They figured out how to run the ball last year, both with Jordan Travis and Jay Sean Corbin and Trayshawn Ward. Trayshawn Ward is back. Trey Benson looked fantastic. So I think that offense is going to be yeah. good around him. And that offensive line has really improved. So I really like what Jordan Travis is going to bring to the table. He's consistently made steps improving as a passer. Um, so I, I feel really good about Florida State in general, but this offense and Jordan Travis in particular, I think Florida State is really going in the right direction there. All right, uh, we're going to pivot away from football here. I'm going to give one question because I know you've been covering baseball a little bit the last couple of days in Charlotte here. Uh, one semifinal's already set. Uh, the 10 and 11 seed are meeting, just like everybody thought, right, with NC State and Pittsburgh tomorrow <laughs> afternoon. Uh, Notre Dame is in, and tonight's winner of Virginia Tech, North Carolina, will see the Irish here on ACC Network tomorrow at 1 o'clock. However, Virginia Tech's performance last night kind of leaves you jaw-dropping. You know they had the pitching, uh, certainly with uh, Hackenberg and some of the others that John Sheff puts out there. We heard about the hitting. We've seen the hitting, Roddy. Last night, four home runs and six at-bats, including back-to-back-to-back at the ACC tournament. I mean, the Hokies looked like they were bulletproof last night. This is a team that is uh, on on a warpath. I mean, they are determined. They're playing with a lot of confidence. And you mentioned the home runs, Wes. I did a game where they played Duke last Thursday. There were 11 home runs in the game. Virginia Tech hit six of them. They've got six guys in their lineup with double-digit home runs. And that does not include Carson Jones, who was just reinserted in the lineup a week ago against Duke. And he's hit like five home runs since coming back into the lineup. So had he been in the lineup all year long, he likely would have double-digit home runs. This is a a complete baseball team. Not only do they have power at the plate, they are extremely athletic. They run. They play great defense. And then they've got just enough pitching. So the the game tonight against North Carolina is a fascinating one because it it obviously determines who's going to play on Saturday. But North Carolina kind of has that feel of a Virginia, an NC State, a Duke a year ago where they are playing well at the right time, and they're playing for something. If they go on to win the tournament, they're probably a host. And so I think think this game is fascinating. Two teams that are playing as well as anybody in the ACC. But I've loved watching Virginia Tech all year. They were impressive last night. All right. Uh, Safe travels. We'll catch up with you. Uh, by the way, I'm, I'm glad to know that you now have our producer, Drew Brooks's number in your phone so that he doesn't yeah. have to introduce yeah. himself every time he texts you about being on the show. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think that? I'm going to delete his number so that he, he has to reintroduce himself. <laughs> I mean, he texts me. He's like, hey, this is Drew Brooks. I'm like, Drew, we've had beers together, man. Come on. What are we doing? I've got your number in my phone. Come You're on. What are what you are, doing? You don't have to introduce yourself. You're, you're my boy, Drew. You're my boy. I know. Right? Yeah. Exactly. All right. Be well. Exactly. Talk to you. Thanks, man. All right. See y'all. All right. Roddy Jones. Uh, don't forget, Saturday afternoon, <clears throat> we've got the ACC baseball semifinals for you right here on ACC Network. One o'clock. 
You'll get Notre Dame against the winner of tonight's Virginia Tech-North Carolina game. And then at 5 o'clock, you get NC State and Pittsburgh. In between, all ACC. And don't forget postgame with Kelsey Riggs and Danny Graves. When we come back, Sam Hartman returns to Winston-Salem for his 13th year this fall. We're going to talk to him next. Just kidding, Sam. We know it's not that many. It just feels that way. Sam Hartman's next. Packer and Durham on ACCN. This is the Packer and Durham Podcast. I love Bon Jovi, okay? I've seen them in concert. It was fantastic. In New Jersey, of all places. It was awesome. So, of course, we play a lot of Bon Jovi at home. Uh, So my little AA, uh, who's 11 now, but when she was around four or five, thought when they said, you give love a bad name, she thought he's saying, you give love a Band-Aid. So every time she would sing it, she'd say, you give love a Band-Aid. And every time I hear that song now, that's all I can think. So you give love a Band-Aid. That's going to be stuck in your head now forever, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's right there. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Andrea Adelson here today, and uh, thank you for being here. Appreciate it as always. Uh, we've talked a lot of college football. We'll do so in moments with Sam Hartman. Kenny Klein, who uh, has been at the University of Louisville for 39 years, is retiring allegedly at the end of June. We'll talk to him about this alleged retirement. Um, he is a dynamic guy who has been as good as it gets in terms of media relations and communications for years for a lot of different people. So looking forward to talking to Kenny. Um, and then Rachel DeCecco will be here in the last hour along with Grant Gibson, the center at NC State. And I'm going to share something here with you, Andrea. Ironically, yesterday I was at uh, one of the OTA practices for the Atlanta Falcons. And I had a chance to spend a few minutes with Dwayne Ledford. You may remember, of course, who was the offensive line coach at Louisville, who had been at NC State, and Appalachian, a little bit at Carolina. And we were talking about uh, Iki Iquano, of course, who he had been a part of the recruiting process, briefly involved in Iquano coming to NC State. Makai Becton, who he had coached, obviously, at Louisville, who was a first-round pick. And we were talking about Garrett Bradbury, who was a former tight end walk-on who later became a world-class center and a first-round pick in Seattle. And uh, and I mentioned we were going to have Grant Gibson on the show today, and he said, now what a great kid that is. And just the ability to grow within the framework of what you're doing as a college football player. And I think Grant's a great example of that. And I'm looking forward to talking to him coming up here at uh, about uh, 9.30 this morning, 9.15. So – We'll do all that. Plus, Andrea is going to finish these. Some of you have asked, when are the, when are the other ones going to come out? The other little pod projection she's got in the schedule framework, we're going to do that at the top of the hour. Uh, but uh, Sam Hartman, hopefully here in moments, Kenny Klein, uh, and in case you missed it with Sidney Scales and, uh, and more. Uh, I just got a text, by the way, from Dana Boyle, Andrea, who is going to be part of the women's lacrosse coverage from uh, Baltimore. And the, uh, the games, because of the time, they moved the time of these games because of the impending weather in the Northeast. And I didn't realize the weather in the Northeast was as shaky as it was. I knew some on the Atlantic coast, but I didn't realize up into the Northeast and, and certainly in the BWI area, 
Uh, weather does not look good in Baltimore. Right now, they're on schedule. 12.30 on ESPN News for Game 1, 3 o'clock on ESPNU for Game 2 of the Women's Lacrosse Final Four. Uh, obviously, North Carolina is involved in that, and so is uh, is Boston College. And if there's any change before we go off the air at 10 o'clock, we'll, uh, we'll keep you posted on that as, uh, as well. So all that being said, Andrea, I want to I follow up on this conversation with Roddy. We've had this quarterback conversation a lot in the ACC, and it's a good conversation to have because when you got talented guys and you got a lot of them, you like last year I thought it was the best quarterback league in the country. I think it's going to be the best again this year if everybody stays healthy. However, when you start breaking down guys and you're breaking down guys that have played, and we joke about Sam Hartman, but he's been there and he's proven he's worthy of it. Devin Leary, a little lesser time than Hartman, proven he's worthy of it. Uh, Malik Cunningham, proven he's worthy of it. Tyler Van Dyke a year ago, Brennan Armstrong a year ago, bursting on the scene, all these things happening. But the minutia of breaking this down, you get into things, and Roddy just mentioned something. Yards per attempt and turnovers for Malik Cunningham, completion percentage in yards per attempt, all these things. It's it's just about your flavor or your school. It's not it's not an indictment of uh, of some of these guys, right? No question. And the one thing about Malik Cunningham I also want to point out as part of that discussion is when you look at the metric, the QBR metric that ESPN uses, which takes into account a whole bunch of statistics, efficiency, completion percentage, yards per play, and all of that, Malik was the top-rated quarterback in the ACC last year. And I think a lot of people probably don't realize it or understand it, but it's because he is so dynamic and uh, makes a lot of plays happen. And so, again, the defensive coordinator that I talked to put him at number one, most difficult to defend in the ACC. Mm. And I agree with Roddy. More people are talking about Devin Leary. People know who Sam Hartman is. Not as many people are talking about Malik Cunningham, and the folks in Louisville believe he's going to be in line to have another terrific season. Yeah, well, I love the tie because uh, we're talking about Malik Cunningham at Louisville, and when we come back, Kenny Klein will join us from Louisville. Uh, We will talk to him about an unbelievable run in college athletics and maybe how the game has changed a little bit too and the way uh, we go about bringing the game to you. We'll talk to Kenny Klein next on Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham. Packer and Durham on a uh, Friday. Andrea Adelson is here. Mark continues to be on assignment, or at least that's what we're calling it, uh, in Italy. Uh, At the end of June... Uh, Kenny Klein is going to retire after 40 years in collegiate athletics, the last 39 of them coming at the University of Louisville. uh, I mean, the term sports information director is one that has been kind of refabricated into all sorts of other titles, right? AD communications and all these other things. But Kenny Klein is a bottom line legend in this industry for what he's done to help the University of Louisville in athletics and in particular their men's basketball program. And uh, with Andrea here, we wanted to, number one, publicly thank Kenny Klein, who joins us this morning from Louisville, uh, for not only being a part of the ACC, but for being a part of the media industry. Good morning, Kenny. How are you? Morning. How are you all this morning? We're good. Um, 
so I, you know, you, we were joking during the break. You say, "Well, I'm normally putting people in this chair. I'm not normally in this chair." So, uh, but yet, it this is something that I mean, you've done. <laughs> Um, but you've been in this business so long. I, I just at the start here, and and I know you're wrapping up at the end of next month. What's it mean? What? Where is this business gone in 39 years of your association at the University of Louisville? I mean, it's changed dynamically, right? Well, I, you know, there's probably not many things that have changed as much as communications. Just because you know, when I started, it was on a manual typewriter. And, you know, uh, then you get to computers, then you get into, you know, social media. And, you know, how many people could even imagine not having a cell phone right now? You know, those, they haven't been in existence forever. So, I mean, just, just so many things in the communications realm that have happened over the years that, uh, you know, that you, that you adjust to and you try to use to your advantage. I, I just want folks to understand that without people like Kenny, Wes and I could not do our jobs. And that is the first thing that mm -hmm. I texted Kenny right. when I saw that he was retirement, retiring. I thanked him for being so good and making me better because of him. So I just want to say that right off the bat because I don't think a lot of folks watching understand and realize the role of the sports information director who's not only giving you information about the team, but they're giving you ideas about players to write about. They're also uh, giving, setting everything up for you at games, making sure the press conferences go out without a hitch. Uh, so someone like Kenny doing it as wonderfully and classy and professionally as he has done it throughout the course of his career means so much to people like me. And I just want to say thank you for that. Um, but the question I have that people are asking me is when are you going to write the book, Kenny? Because you have got so <laughs> many experiences, I'm sure, uh. that would fill a thousand pages of a book. You know, I, I can't imagine how many people that have uh, asked me that same question. I, you know, I haven't even thought about it. Maybe when I get uh, when I get out of this uh, seat, maybe I will. Uh, but uh, there's, you're right. There's so many experiences over the years. I mean, there's there's so many things that have happened here that during the course of a single day, you could probably write a book about. And uh, but you mm. know, if I wouldn't necessarily, if I did something, I'd probably uh, disappoint a lot of people because I, if I did a tell-all book, it would be something on a positive side and, I, and uh, try to skip over the negative stuff. Uh, uh, there's plenty of negative stuff out there, but there's so much positive stuff that happens in, uh, within an athletic department, uh, certainly around me, that I've uh, had a joy to be around in this profession. So uh, I'd lean towards that end if I ever, ever did do a book. Kenny, it always felt like, and I mean, we first met in 1992 when I was doing Vanderbilt, uh, and and Louisville came to Memorial Gym to play Vanderbilt in the midweek game in like December or something. And I always remember then thinking, you know what, you 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 stay there 39 years. This is important to you. It's something that became a way of life. Uh, and there have been lots of coaches. I mean, Denny Crum to, to Rick Patino to Chris Mack, now to Kenny Payne. I mean, that's just basketball and just men's basketball. I mean, you've seen the growth of college athletics at the University of Louisville. You've seen Louisville emerge from one league to the next and now in the ACC. What's the one thing that folks might be surprised to know about 39 years at the University of Louisville? Because I always tell people, as much as you know the people that are stars of the programs or stars of an institution, 
it's always the you know the guy who is really successful in business who might have been a walk-on basketball or football player, something like that. You know, it's it's you know you're talking to me now, and obviously I, I've I've been around a while and such, but I've had so many great staff members. My current staff, you know, Kathy, Nancy, mm-hmm. Rocco, Steve, and Lori, they're, they're all terrific people that that help me do my job much better and. Uh, Try to help us be a good host when when you come to town and uh, help us put together those notes that you're working off of and help us arrange in, uh, interviews and such. And and that's the same thing with the rest of our athletic department. You know, I, I might be out front a little bit more uh, talking to you guys, but uh, gosh, there's so many people. We've got 300 people in our athletic department that are dedicated. I mean, dedicated to making this thing work every day. You know, we have our stumbles. We all do. And, and probably most businesses do, too. But uh, but our hearts mm-hmm. are in the right place. We're always trying to do the right things. We're trying to uh, trying to help people, trying to make it more fun for the fans. But uh, in the end, trying to make it a great experience for our student athletes uh, while they're here and watching them emerge from the shy freshmen that a lot of them come in at to uh, confident mm-hmm. uh, seniors when they leave is probably as, as much joy as you could take from any single job. And it's a job that's different mm. every year. I mean, it's yes, you have similar elements, but you've got a new roster every year. So the roster you had last year, the maybe the people you relied on to do uh, much of the interviews are different. Maybe you've got to spend a little more time with a couple of them to, to help them through those things. But uh, you know, across our athletic department, you know, and the and you know the guys that do the budget, you know, always catch the most grief because they are. Uh, they have to watch the money and, and everything, but they're as important as, uh, you know, the guys that are coming in at night cleaning our offices. You know, it takes everybody to uh, to have a championship culture like Kenny Payne's trying to create. You mentioned all the different teams, the different rosters, the different coaches. What, in your estimation, is right at the top for Kenny in terms of best experience that you've had in a season during your time at Louisville? You know, you, you, when you're fortunate to be around a couple of uh, national championship teams, as, as I have here, you know, certainly those, those years, the journey to get to those uh, places are, are things that you remember forever. You know, I haven't really, really thought about a lot of stuff. I will say that uh, our last game in uh, Freedom Hall uh, for men's basketball was mm. just such a terrific event, and we put so much effort into uh, inviting uh, members of those championship teams and All-Americans and uh, key people into that and having a uh, sold-out uh, arena where everybody knew this was our last game in Freedom Hall. We're playing a number one team in the nation in Syracuse, and uh, we're fortunate to come out on top with an incredible performance uh, uh, by Kyle Curick, who had really not played a whole lot that year, and comes off the bench and is just, uh, yeah, I think it's memorable for every Louisville fan that's here. For me, it was just so special to have all those people back uh, and be a part of the event. Uh, and going out on top certainly uh, helped matters too. Kenny, I, uh, we had a chance to visit with, uh, with Kenny Payne a couple of weeks ago to Amelia Island, and it must be an amazing experience to watch him come back now as the head basketball coach and see some of the things that have transpired along the way to just trigger emotions with people of what Louisville basketball has meant to so many at this time. You know, it's 
It is. It is. You know, I'm getting goose pimples right now sitting here just because our, I think our fans are so energized, but our whole, the whole Louisville fan base is just, you know, just so excited because not only having Kenny here, who is just a genuine uh, person that uh, so many people love mm -hmm. and admire, uh, he's surrounding himself with uh, terrific people, too, that, that want to treat people well. Uh, and and be be there for people and be uh, be there to help our uh, players uh, reach their potential. You know, uh, Danny Manning, who uh, we've fortunate to have had in our league before. Uh, I, I met him back in uh, 1987 with the Pan Am Games team when uh, he was on there, and I was working with that team for a summer. Uh, you know, Nolan Smith, uh, who uh, I knew his dad well, and I knew him when he was just a youngster. You know, we just hired uh, Milt Wagner. Uh, who was a starting mm -hmm. guard on that championship team from 86. You know, the uh, Reese Gaines, who's here in our uh, video department. You know, there's just so many people that he's surrounding himself with, too, that, gosh, you just get so excited just with the group of people and uh, having them here and then, and then getting our players in here, where they'll, which they'll be uh, on campus. Some of them will be back uh, in, a, in a couple weeks, and uh, we'll be able to start uh, doing some things actually on the court with them. I love how Kenny is name dropping because I know he knows everybody in America. And that is, again, a tribute to longevity, <laughs> but also how well-liked and well-respected he is across the country. If there's one person, and again, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot with this, that you've built the strongest relationship with that has lasted through the years, who would that be and why? Wow. Oh, Wow, that's right. That is a tough one to say one because that that you know again when when that announcement came that I was retiring, I, you talk about being overwhelmed. My goodness, so, so many people reaching out, and uh, and I, I don't think you could say just one. I mean, I have so many relationships that you know not only here in Louisville, but as you mentioned around the country that I've been so fortunate to uh, mm -hmm. to see people and uh, you know outside of just uh, covering an event and having a beverage uh, maybe in the evening before or after a game or so and you know going to final fours and uh, working that event for so many years my friends in this profession and seeing so many of those national media members on a regular basis uh, at that uh, penultimate event of every year uh, it's just a, it's a treat for me you know to be able to do those things to work the derby and see people that get to come in here you know to be able to work a few PGA events and uh, just, you know, it gives you a chance to just see so many people that you, you know and admire and uh, you love spending time with. So uh, I, I, you try to put me on a spot, but there's so many that I couldn't because, you know, anybody that's here, we, we love having you. you know, Andrea, when you're here, Wes, when you're here, we love having all you guys here when you come into our, our house. Well, and, and it makes the job that much more enjoyable too, Kenny. Uh, I, I am curious uh, about this, and this has nothing to do with 39 years, although it does and it doesn't. Um, I know you've got your family relatively close. You've got grandkids. Uh, I met, I think, your grandson a couple of years ago at a football game. That was cool. Um, what are you going to do when the end of June rolls around and July 1 kicks in and then a couple months into this, football's going to start. And I know you. You like football. You like going to the games. You've also been to 1,300 straight basketball games in this whole deal, too. So how are you going to handle that first fall, that 
oh, about the time mid-November kicks in, about the time, you know, September rolls around and there's a home game. I mean, what's that going to be like for Kenny Klein? We're going to see Kenny Klein in the tailgate area of Cardinal Stadium this fall? Is that the plan? Yeah, I like to have fun, too. I mean, I like to I do like to work hard and all that, but I do like to have fun. So I will be tailgating at that first game. I can assure you of that. Uh, but if you're in the press box for that one, I'll stop by and see you, man. But uh, and I have committed to uh, to helping uh, helping Kenny Payne in this first year. I don't know. We we haven't yet defined what that role is, but uh, I'm hanging it up officially at the end of June. But I'm going to be doing something to help him during the course of this year. So you still might see me in hoop season, but uh, football season, I hope to be spending a lot more time in the parking lots and the stands with my family and uh, with some friends out in the parking lots and uh, and just, you know, trying to have a little fun. I mean, I, I do try to have fun in my job, yeah. though. I mean, there's a lot of things. Uh, yeah, there's some tough days. There are some tough days, but there's tough days in every every work. Uh, and I, But mm-hmm. I enjoy my job. I've always enjoyed my job. I enjoy the people that I'm around. So... Uh, but having fun, I, th- I think you have to have fun. You have to find a way to have fun in every situation. You know, even in the worst of situations, you got to have some way to find some fun. Otherwise, you're just go- you're just going to wear yourself out. Uh, uh, am I hearing you're not going to let that consecutive basketball attended game streak end, are you? You're going to be sitting in the stands or helping Kenny, right? Either one, right? Or both. What, 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 what yeah, are you going to look like, Kenny? Well, we, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, it's, you know, I haven't thought of it that much, really. It's a streak, but it's, it's one of those where <laughs> it just kind of all of a sudden happens, you know, but, uh, you know, we haven't talked about if I'm traveling with the team yet or not. I don't know that I'll necessarily make every game, but maybe I will. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what things happen uh, uh, during the course of the year. Uh, but, but again, I just want to be here to help. You know, if I can do something to help Kenny, uh, he's been a friend forever. Uh, you know, all these guys on the staff are guys that I've known forever. Uh, you know, I care about this place. I, I want things to. I want him to get off on to a terrific start too. Uh, and we already are. I mean, goodness. I mean, we're. You know, our ticket sales are already up. You know, it's just. You know, in a place where we have great fan, a great fan base, uh, our ticket sales have already jumped. Uh, but, uh, and that's with good reason because we've got a great person uh, leading us right now. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, uh, yesterday it was announced you're going to receive the COSIDA Lifetime Achievement Award. And quite frankly, uh, that's that's richly deserved. In fact, they probably ought to name it after you, to be honest, because you've done just an incredible job in this industry and for the University of Louisville. Uh, proud to call you a colleague, being more prouder to call you a friend and appreciate all your good work with us over the years and uh, and everything else. And Glad to know you'll be uh, glad to know you'll at least be in attendance in the fall and uh, and maybe in an arena or two, even on the road. If Coach Payne lets you on the plane, that ought to be a heck of a discussion. Hey, can I get a seat on the plane? Yeah, I think we got a seat for Kenny Klein on the uh, Louisville plane. So I I can't. uh, But uh, congratulations on a great run. I mean, in, in all honesty, you've impacted so many careers in so many different ways at so many levels, media, people in athletics, things of that nature. And uh just appreciate that and uh, and respect the long tenure you had at Louisville. And uh, and thank you again for doing this today. Very kind of you. Thank you for having me. And uh, hope you all have a great morning. All right. Kenny Klein, University of Louisville, walking legend. He's the man. Uh, when we come back, in case you missed it, with Sidney Scales. We will talk in, uh, check in on that. And we will do that in more 9 o'clock hour coming up, by the way with uh, more of Andrea's scheduling pod predictions. 
Grant Gibson and Rachel DeCecco all ahead on Packer and Durham. Here's Mark Packer and Wes Durham. Packer and Durham on a Friday. Andrea Adelson is here. Thanks to Kenny Klein from Louisville for doing that. Appreciate that. And uh, that man cannot get enough flowers at the end of his career, Andrew. That's as simple as it gets, right? No truer words were spoken on this show today, Wes. <laughs> uh, Sydney Scales joined Dana and uh, Drew on Monday. She plays for Boston College, and they're in the Women's Lacrosse Final Four. And in case you missed it, Sydney visited with them and – Drew and Dana asked right off the top, what's the mindset knowing that you're the defending national champs? We knew it would be a hard year. We knew year. it would be a hard year. And then being able to get back to that final four feels amazing. We're not, amazing. Taking, we're not taking any days for granted. And I'm just in a great place and very lucky to be there. Well, Sydney, you guys got a pretty stiff test from Loyola in Newton over the weekend. I was there to call that game and was so impressed watching you guys on both ends of the field. Um, from a defensive perspective, Sydney, what was the mindset going into a game against one of the best offenses in America? I think the mindset was just play BC defense. Obviously, they were great offensively, great coached, and um, we knew it was going to be a tall test, but we just need to stick to our game plan. Um, we knew that they were a little different from other teams. They're a very heavy cutting team, um, and that just gave us a chance to, you know, work and play against something different, and we had to be really locked in to stop their cutting game, and I think we executed very well. We all spent a lot of time in South Bend together uh, during the ACC championship, and I remember you told me that you watch a lot of film on some of the tendencies. So if you're a young defender and they're watching Boston College and they're watching you because you're one of the best, what would you tell them to look for as you're marking up on an attacker? Um, I would say just look for, you know, some of the basics. Obviously, I try to just look at the number. Don't go for any of the stick fakes. Um, keep your feet moving at all times. Um, try not to cross over, cross your feet over. Um, and then just using your physicality to keep them outside the eight meter are all keys to playing good 1v1 defense. Well, Sydney, we've got some of your stats up on the screen right now. 44 ground balls is most among anyone in the ACC among field players, so not including goalies, and 25 cause turnovers tops on your team as well. I'm curious, you know, you and Dana might be able to nerd out about this a little, but as someone who never played lacrosse myself, like, what goes into being a ground ball gobbler? Like, what makes you able to pick up so many of those ground balls? Um, I think it's a combination of things. Obviously, you know, being in the right place at the right time has a little bit to do with it. Obviously, just having the will to want to go get it and beat your girl to the ball and then just focus, you know, keeping your stick low to the ground, running all the way through it, all components that um, are necessary to, you know, pick up that ground ball. I got to ask, because when I watch you, if I was a defender, I was a midi for a short period of time, and then they pushed me to the attack because I wasn't the best defender. But you're marking up against some of the best attackers in the country, and you're just a sophomore. Do you get nervous, and how do you handle that sort of pressure? Or do you feel pressure? 
Um, I mean, obviously you feel a little bit of pressure, but I think some things that help is just you knowing my teammates to have my back all the time on the field, everywhere. Everyone's always communicating with me, ready to slide if I need it. And then I think the other thing is just preparation. I think we prepare so hard every week um, and we focus on so many of the details, the big picture that when you get out there on game day, it feels kind of like, okay, we've already done this at practice. I know what I'm doing. And I think that helps take a lot of the pressure off. And Sydney, I mean, your unit, it, it's clear how close you guys are off the field with the way you play on the field, especially against a team like Loyola with all that cutting and all those weapons and you guys have to work together as one. Why do you think that this group is so close? Because we've talked to Bell Smith on this show. We've obviously talked to Charlotte North a bunch, and it's clear how tight-knit this unit is. Why do you think the team is so close? I think we just have so many different personalities um, that – mesh so well together obviously there's no two people are alike and everyone kind of brings a different element to the team you know some people are more quiet some are more outgoing and I think having that balance of just all different types of people who ultimately are fighting for the same thing a national championship just bonds everyone together so tightly um and we all know that at the end of the day everyone has each other's backs and everyone is there for each other um and it's just it's like a family community and it's great What's it like playing for Acacia? So I've known Acacia in her previous stints coaching, not quite at Boston College. She recruited me when she played at UMass, but she is such an infectious leader. And every time I have a coach's call with her, I'm like ready to suit up and go on the field. So what is that like playing with her and getting to interact or coaching, being coached by her and getting to interact with her? Yeah, I mean, I love having her as a coach. I think she has an energy that's just unmatched, um, and it makes everyone else feel her presence at all times and gives us all even more energy. And I think she's so passionate about what she does, and she wants to win so badly, which just creates a great culture here at BC. It makes us all want to win even more. Um, And I think she's just a great leader, and I don't think we'd be in the position we were today without her. Yeah, she's awesome. I got a chance to go to your practice before the Loyola game and the positivity is is something like I need in my life, you know, like I wish she would be there to hype me up, you know, and and everything I do like like she does with with your team. Uh, But now as you head into championship weekend, Sydney, I mean, you guys obviously did this last year. What is that whole experience like? Like, do you have time to like this year? Will you be able to explore Baltimore and do some off the field stuff together or is it strictly business this weekend? Um, I mean, honestly, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think, I think there'll be some time for us to hang out and, you know, Acacia is really about, you know, not taking things for granted and appreciating the moment. So I'm sure we'll take, we'll be able to take a step back at some point and just at least appreciate where we are, you know, even if it's just for a quick couple minutes, just because this is, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity and we're very lucky to be here. So I think, Hopefully we'll have some time to just step back and reflect and see um, what a great accomplishment this was. Good luck to Sydney Scales in uh, BC today as well at the Women's Final Four. When we come back, uh, 9 o'clock hour in full effect, Grant Gibson will be here. Rachel DeCecco will talk about that Women's Lacrosse Final Four. And Andrea finishes examining the three permanent opponents for your favorite school in the new ACC football schedule model. We'll do that more next on ACC Network. Tune into Packer and Durham weekday mornings from 7 to 10 Eastern for the best conversations about everything from the ACC. 
find it on the ACC Network, Sirius XM Channel 371, and streaming on the ESPN app.